0: Hey guys, it's Lizzie.
1: What's going on, guys? It's Dan.
0: And this is Polos and Khakis 2.0, kind of. Um, With us today, we have Jasmine Grimes, who um, is coming to us from Miami. Um, She did her bachelor's in kinesiology at the University of Maryland and did her master's in athletic training at Florida International. She uh, worked with the Dolphins as a summer intern, then a seasonal intern, and then is now their assistant athletic trainer. She is the first full-time female athletic trainer for the Dolphins and the second black female to be a full-time athletic trainer in the NFL. So thanks for coming on, Jazz. I'm so excited to see you.
2: Thank you guys for inviting me. I'm very excited to be here.
1: I just want to let you know that it snowed like an inch or two here last night, so uh, (laughs) hopefully you're enjoying the warm weather in Miami.
2: Well, it is pouring rain, and I was actually home a few weekends ago, and I was like, yeah, I do not miss this, because that's when you guys got the really bad storm. I was like, yeah, this is not for me. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's been in it's been in the fifties up here for like the past few days, but then it just said, all right, time to snow. It's still winter, so here we are.
2: Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah.
1: What are you gonna do? That's just Pennsylvania winter for you. So let's just get started. R- jump right into it. Uh, so you did a summer internship. You did a seasonal internship, and now you're a full time assistant. What was that process? Just going from summer intern to seasonal to assistant, and then come what are the transitions and responsibilities that came with it
2: um well it's actually quite interesting so i was a summer intern excuse me in 2018 um between my first and second year of um, my master's program at fiu so um summer internships um pretty much all 32 teams have them but they're usually students who come and work for the six weeks of training camp so unfortunately um Part of NFL and being a summer internship is doing a lot of the grunt work. So it was a lot of work in terms of setting up practice, breaking down practices, cleaning up. Um, we were able to do you know, treatments and things like that under the guise of um, under the guidance of staff members. Um, but it was a, a lot of grunt work. Um, we were able to build, you know, relationships in uh, with players and coaches, which was cool. And then once I finished my summer internship with them. Um, in September because I was local and they liked how hard I worked. They invited me to help out with home games on Sundays. So even though I was still in school and I was actually working with FIU football at that time, um, the head of FIU used to work in the NFL. So he allowed me, and he was actually at the Dolphins. So he allowed me to work at FIU football and go to classes during the week. I would go to like FIU football games, which because it's so hot down here, it would be at night, like seven o'clock at night. And then there were a few times I had to wake up the next morning and then drive down, drive up to Miami Gardens. which is like 30, 40 minutes um, to work Dolphins games. And then on Sundays, I would do work the Gatorade table mostly. I don't know if you guys ever really seen the silence to the Gatorade table and there's somebody there like filling up the cups and stuff. Um, I would go go on the benches and like make sure their water bottles were filled. Like really basic stuff just to make sure, just to build the network connection and kind of show everyone that can work hard and be a part of this. Um, so during that year, I well, was still in school, I was hired as a seasonal. So once I graduated in 2019, I started working, um, doing similar stuff, but a lot more responsibilities in terms of packing trunks um, when we travel, unpacking. It was still the grunt work with uh, working practices, setting out practices, breaking down practices. Um, we were able to do a lot more rehab with uh, players, obviously always under the guidance because we were still um, very new in the profession and still learning. So we we're able to do some rehab, more treatment, things like that. Um, <clears throat> we were able to travel with the team, which was great because I wasn't able to do that as a summer. And then our the way we do it is we do two year seasonal internships mandatory and so we stagger it. So we'll have one person be a second year seasonal and we'll have one person be a first year seasonal. So by my second year seasonal, which was also the year of COVID, Um, which was responsibilities in itself. Um, I was able to then lead not only the first year seasonal, but also a group of summer interns. So I was able to kind of make decisions, um, teach them a lot. We were very, very big on teaching, kind of tell them what to do and guide them a lot. So that was another uh, like branch of leadership that I was able to do. Um, And then my second year seasonal year was um, strange, like most in terms of the year of COVID. So I became responsible for a number of things that previous seasonal interns have not been able, have not had to deal with in terms of COVID, Um, organizing, testing through the organization, helping with um, eventually vaccine cards, getting families tested, Um, when somebody's tested positive for COVID, checking in with them, um, giving them uh, supplies and things like that. A lot of that fell on me and as well as um, my head AT. He handled more of you know, roster management, explaining to coaches what's going on. I was more on the a little bit more on the ground in the communication between our organization and our testing trailer, which was on site. Um, and then once 2020 season ended, and January is hired as full time. And I will say that was another branch of responsibility and transitioning because I felt like I couldn't do as many things as I was used to just because the seasonals under me had to then take that under their wing and show that they can do those things. Um, but I continued doing most of the COVID stuff, but then it became more uh, responsibilities in terms of again, leading the seasonals and trying to um, make sure they learn and, and guide them. But as well as just doing other um, more admin work more rehab, note-taking, um, a lot helping a, a little bit more with like physicals. I'm actually going to the Combine for the first time next week or in two weeks, which I'm very, very excited for. Um, it really just became like a new branch and I'm still learning and I still, you know, ask the questions that I need to to be asked. And um, yes, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much, that was a little long-winded, sorry about that. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty, pretty much uh, the,
0: Were you always gearing to work with Miami or were there other teams that you were hoping to work for at some point?
2: Um, so when I applied for my summer internship, I applied to all 32 teams. Um, I interviewed with one other team, but at the time, like I had said, the head of FIU had worked um, over, the staff members that are still actually currently at the Dolphins um, and he made a call for me. And even though at that time we didn't have, they hadn't hired a head AT, um, the head at FIU was really pushing me, like, just go, you'll learn. You don't know who the head is, but you'll still be able to build, you know, a relationship and networking. And so it worked out great because my boss is actually amazing. Um, And then once I was transitioning to the seasonal internship, I actually met with the head um, AT at the Dolphins and asked him to go over my resume and like put them on my reference list. And that kind of turned into a mini interview, and he hired me on spot, so I didn't even get to like really, you know, do anything with my resume. He kind of like looked at it, hired me, and then like gave it back to me. He's like, "I don't need this." And I was like, "Okay," <laughs> um, which is, you know, a very blessed and lucky for that to sort out. And then I re- I remember right after my, the 2021 season, I think our last game was our last game was on a Sunday. I went to my best friend, who's an NATA member, who actually works at um in dc still i went to her on like a monday and i was like okay i need your nat membership so i could start you know really getting serious about looking for jobs and because i was like i don't know what's going to happen here and then i went into my boss's office on like a tuesday to talk about something covid related and again turned into a mini interview where he was just asking me about my goals and you know and he always did those evaluations with um interns kind of like end of training camp halfway through the season end of the season just to give us feedback and what we think and things to work on. So it kind of turned into a little bit of the end of year evaluation, but also a mini interview. And he hired me again on um, on the spot as a full time. So a little bit, but not really. Like I said, things kind of just worked out and um, I really didn't have to do a lot of the interviewing process and sending my resumes and, and things like that.
1: Yeah, I remember I did my summer internship with the Tennessee Titans and they were big on uh, just learning, kind of like what you said. They just wanted to make sure you got something out of it, instead of just, oh yeah, you're here to just like fill up the Gatorade coolers and like set up for practice and tear it down. So, uh, I'm glad you also had the same experience as I did.
2: When were you at um Tennessee?
1: The year you were, it was twenty nineteen. So in between me and Liz's first and second year uh, of grad school.
2: So Todd yeah. Torcelli and Sal and all of them.
1: Yes, yeah, Sal. Sal actually, he's like the overseer of the interns so um he's also a usf grad as well so he was great and their whole staff uh matt one of their assistants actually called me on a whim like right after I sent my resume and it was like 20 minutes after i woke up he goes hey this is matt greg from uh the Tennessee titans are you cool to like call or uh, talk for a little bit and i was like sure and i was just like trying to wake myself up at the same time to do an interview, but yeah, uh, it was a great experience. That whole staff was awesome. Um, I, like I said, they really wanted to make sure that you got something out of it. So uh, I really enjoyed it.
2: Yeah, that staff is great. And it's, it's so funny. Small AT world cause Sal was actually an assistant at um, Louisville under my boss that had AT at the dolphins. So they have a really good relationship actually. Um, so small world.
1: So you, you spent most of, or if not your whole you know, professional career as an athletic trainer in the NFL, uh, what has been your favorite part of working uh, in the pros and what is your least favorite part?
2: Oh man, everyone always asks me the favorite parts. I think um, bonding with the players. I think, you know, I've worked at, at D1 colleges before um, at Maryland and at FIU. So I know those experiences and those relationships you build with the college kids. But I believe for me, building relationships with these professional athletes, is kind of on a, on a different level. Cause not only, well, they may be adults, sometimes they act like teenagers, but for the most part, you know, they're adults with bills and, and wives and kids. And I think the relationships I was able to build with them is, is a different level and sometimes deeper um, than the ones I've built in the past with the college kids. Um, the relationships I've built throughout the organization, um, I know that there are a number of people within the Dolphins that I can call at any point in time and will do a lot and have done a lot for me. And I think, um, you know, we're a family in itself. Obviously the traveling, um, I have this like goal of trying to hit all 50 states and all 30, 30 um, NFL stadiums. So I'm like halfway through um, some of the benefits and in, in being the experiences, like I said, going to the combine and, and being able to meet so many different people among the, the NFL teams. Some of the cons, as I'm sure you've heard is the work-life balance. Um, like I said, I have an amazing boss and I think he does a great job at emphasizing that because he understands that, you know, he's married with, with three girls and he knows and he emphasizes at the end of the day, family, this is just a job, this is football. It might be your life, but it's just football. And there's so much more to that and family is more important than, you know, anything. Um, so he really emphasizes if there's like a family event or if there's something we need to do, he's like, go go do what you need to do. And then, you know, come back. And he understands that. Um, but during the season, I mean, we're working like 15 hour days, our seasons go from July, well, hopefully to February, but as of lately to January, <laughs> <laughs> um, and at the end of the day, it is then I felt a business. So, I mean, people, I don't want to say people are disposable, but at the end of the day, there are people that will probably do your job better for less money um on a coaching level athletic training level as, as well as player level and at the end of the day the goal is to win and, and sometimes you'll build a relationship with players and coaches and then they'll leave the next day and then sometimes that's just that's just part of the business and that sucks because even though again you build these relationships with these people i think at the end of the day you always have to remember it as a business and none of it's personal um, and at the end of the day everyone has their own family and, and priorities in their lives so I think that would probably be one of the, the hardest parts. And I celebrate, like my family lives in D.C. So I haven't celebrated like a Thanksgiving with them in like five years. And they try to come down for Christmas and that can be challenging, too. Mm-hmm. So de- definitely some some cons. But I think with this, you always have to figure out your why. And um, you have to have people in your life that understand that this is important to you and that it's a career. Um, but you also don't want to take advantage of that and and try to be there for the moments that you can.
0: I think I've noticed that a lot with students that are, like, freshly coming into school and maybe haven't done as much time, like, in a D1 or professional setting before they really get into athletic training, and they always come in on the first day and they're like, what's your dream job? And they say, the pros. And I always wonder, like, do you know what it's like to work, like, for 15 hours a day for six months straight and then never see your family for holidays? Because, like, it blows. Like, it sucks.
2: It really does.
0: Yeah, I feel like um, that gets lost on people because it does look really glamorous to like see you at all, all your stadiums every week and like, you know, all these cool people. And then it's just like, oh, did you sleep more than four hours last night? I'm worried.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, like my phone, especially with COVID, like I literally during the season, which probably is, is a little excessive, but I think I pour m- a lot of myself into the job like, During the season, my phone is never on Do Not Disturb. I sleep with it on loud because I never know who's going to call me at 4 a.m. telling me they're sick or they need something. I've got text messages at 11 o'clock at night when I'm fast asleep. Like, oh, hey, um, my tooth is killing me. I can't sleep. I need to go to the dentist. And it's like, this could probably be figured out in the morning, but we're in season. So I'm going to respond to this right now. (laughs) And like that part is just, it's a little challenging. And working the pros wasn't even always my, my goal. Like I wanted to work D1. I just heard things about the pros, and I was like, I don't think this is really for me. Um, but then I got to my summer internship, and I was like, all right, yeah, this is it. So, I, yeah, I completely
1: understand. <laughs> I think you hit on it well that keeping things in perspective and remembering your why, you know, especially, you know, training camp in the middle of August in Miami. I know it's not, you know, it ain't cold. So... Um, <laughs> You know, and you're out there and it's hot, and, you know, you're out there practicing and taking care of stuff and doing treatments all day and you know, you have to stand there for walkthroughs and all that good stuff. It's a good it's a good way to remember that, hey, like a lot of people would kill to be in my shoes right now. Um, and I think just soaking it all in and just keeping, you know, your why and perspective together is really huge, especially in, in a setting like the NFL.
2: Exactly. And let me tell you, this heat index and the oh, and the thing is it never gets Cold, like it's december the day before christmas and it's like 89 degrees and it's like wow everyone else is cold or practicing inside or can at least wear sweatpants and sweatshirts to practice and we're still dripping sweat (laughs) from standing out here for five minutes so yeah remembering that why is very important because you're just like i'm over this
0: (laughs) so i know you touched on a little bit that like, your day-to-day changed with COVID, obviously. Like, that's a lot more responsibilities that you didn't have before. But I'm curious, like, how different your daily schedule looks preseason to in season to out of season. Um, so,
2: I would start, like, a, all right, let's start with training camp. Training camp, I think everyone knows when I say you're pretty much working 18, um, 15, 18-hour days. It's pretty accurate every day. Um, once we get into the season, it, 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 I'm, honestly, the season gets a little bit easier in terms of time management. Um, you know, every organization, every head coach does schedules differently. Um, but for the most part, you know, you'll travel on the weekends. Usually if our games on Sunday, you'll travel on Saturdays. You'll have the Thursday night and Monday night, you know, occasional Saturday night games. We were able to go to London last year. So that kind of threw our schedule off completely too, which was kind of a good break. Um, but daily, it's mostly you know uh, waking up. I'm usually at work probably about six in the earlier part of the week, probably about seven. Ooh, excuse me, seven, seven thirty. Um, every day I usually leave. Practice days, usually about seven or eight. Um, on the early on the days we don't have practice, usually about five. Um, and it's mostly like treatment practices, um, more treatment, dealing with COVID things, a lot of testing, and and. Talking to family members, I think I've talked to more, you know, wives and girlfriends and kids this year than I think my entire football career ever. Um, Like I said, traveling on the weekends. And then once, so like our schedule now off season because now we're transitioning between the end of the season. So right after the season, we usually start dealing with a lot of postseason surgeries um, with things that, you know, players were able to play with play through, but we wanted to kind of clean up or whatever postseason um, to kind of get the clock running on rehab. So we do that. So that required a lot of traveling. So like three or four weeks ago, I had to go to Houston for a few days because the player had surgery. I just came back from New York last weekend or last week because the player had, you know, another appointment there. So it requires a lot of traveling and things like that. Now we're more in a getting ready for combine, still doing rehabs. But this is kind of the best time because this is when weekends are off. Um, so pretty much from the end of the season to training camp, i only work one, maybe two weekends. One of those weekends is usually working mini camp. The second weekend might be a weekend that we just have to come in for like extra combine stuff or draft weekend or anything like that. Every day is mostly like 7 to 4. I have more time to work out, which is nice. So sometimes <laughs> I'll go a little earlier or later. Um, <clears throat> so once we go to the combine – in a few weeks, we'll start, you know, calling players, getting a lot of our medical records and information, note-taking. So the days will get a little longer just because we have a lot more computer work. Free agencies in March, so that's when we kind of transition to more players kind of coming in the building. We have a lot of players still coming in and out just because it is Miami and the weather is nice, so they kind of stay in the area all year round. But towards, like, the end of March, that's when more and more players start coming, and usually April is when off-season officially starts. So that's when pretty much most of the team will come in and start doing team lifts and, you know, like uh, runs outside together and like drills and things like that. So our days will pick up a little bit more. Um, and then draft is the end of April. We'll have rookie mini camp around May. And that's when OTA is off season team activities officially starts. And that's when we'll have like, practices nothing crazy like full pads or anything but the days will get longer we'll be outside a little bit more so we'll practice you know you know one or a couple hours a day we'll have more treatment they will have meetings and things like that um still weekends off which is kind of nice and then um that goes until about june and then we'll get like kind of like a five-week break where we'll rotate and try to get a little bit of a time off before the grind really starts again So I will say in terms of work-life balance, like the season's obviously non-existent. We'll have a day or two off in terms of like bi-weekend and things like that. But the off-season is definitely you're able to have a little bit more work-life balance because sometimes all you need is that weekend to reset, especially when you're not used to it and you, you know, get up Monday morning, bright, cheery-eyed and yeah, report to work. So.
0: So you guys use physicians that aren't necessarily based out of miami to do like your your postseason surgeries and stuff
2: yeah so by the based on the cba um contract with players and nfl players are allowed to get second opinions from other doctors so Mm -hmm. obviously players you know come from different teams or colleges so sometimes they'll have surgeries done by whatever doctor that they knew in college or a doctor that they had with another team so we just like to send our players to, especially like if you, if they're a checkup or anything, you want to send it to the surgical doctor, because if, you know, a physician has been in there and, and knows it through and through, that's, you know, sometimes the doctor that you want to send to, which makes sense. Um, so we like to do that. And usually our staff likes to send at least one person with them, um, internal staff, just to make sure we have they feel taken care of, a representative. So everyone's kind of on the same page. So the player understands everything the doc is saying. Um, So it's kind of nice because it is, you know, going to different places. Like I I went to, I was actually in Manhattan, um, which is a little cool. I didn't do too much sightseeing, but I've never really stayed in the city before, um, even though it was freezing. So it was fun. (laughs) It reminded me that I love Miami. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so they're allowed to do that. And and we do that pretty much throughout the season, Hmm. throughout the year, excuse me.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. I just never really thought about it like that. Like, I guess it I guess I was used to college where like your team physician is the physician that's at the school and like didn't really think about these guys have been playing for four years before they ever see you. So clearly they've seen a doctor by then. I mean, it'd be impossible not to.
2: Right. Which makes sense. And, and like you said, like sometimes you just want to, you know, go to the doctor that they you know that, mm-hmm. you know, you knew in college and especially if they deal with other professional athletes or. You know, if you have a teammate that you know that went to this specific doctor for the same similar injury, like maybe that's the doctor you want to go to, that that doesn't say anything bad about our team doctors. You know, we have great, you know, team physicians, um, but sometimes, and other professional athletes come to our physicians for similar things, but, you know, sometimes it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we want to make sure that all, avail- all resources are available for these athletes so they're comfortable um, for their safety and their own health, um, as well as mentally, so...
1: When you go to another physician, you know outside of your team or you know from another city, do you also get a rehab protocol with it, or is it just like, hey, here's a surgery, they're all yours?
2: So everything is case by case, um, and it usually just depends on, like, so everything's case by case. So some people will have surgery in their. Um, their hometown where their family is in the off season. So then they'll stay for, for PT at a PC clinic that we're familiar with, or we'll have to connect with the PT so they can send us, um, uh, excuse me, like uh, notes, rehab notes. So we know what's going on, like progress notes, excuse me, that's what I meant to say, um, progress notes. But for some athletes, they'll have a surgery, we'll go with them and they'll come right back to the area. Cause this is, you know, like I said, where they live. Um, and then we'll do, they'll send us, um, rehab protocol, but for the most part, we do, we'll follow the physician, but it's more of like, okay, you know, no weight bearing, non-weight bearing for, you know, a month or no external rotation for two months, but work on the mobility and things like that. And, um, we follow up with the doctor. Okay. This is kind of where, you know, the player is, this is how he feels. Okay. Now let's start working on et cetera, et cetera. So it's not a specific rehab protocol. It's more just like basic like physician guidelines. Um, like I said, everything is case by case. Um, we've had players go to other PT clinics to do physical therapy in Miami. We've had them do, do them where we are. We have athletes, you know, other cities doing rehab. It just, it really just depends.
0: So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Um, I know you talked about building those bonds with your players and that it's a little different than like building bonds with collegiate athletes or even high school kids and things like that. I'm just wondering, like, were there any hurdles you really had in trying to get them to, like, trust you and work with you well? Or was it, like, a pretty easy transition? Um, I think, I think, ooh, that's an interesting question. Probably
2: both. I think at the end of the day, it always depends on the person. You know, some players are, you know, more trustworthy than others. Some aren't. I think for certain players it helped. Well when i first started i really didn't talk to anybody because like now i don't even know if it was nerves but i was like i'm here to work and i don't want to really talk to any of you guys just in case i say the wrong thing or like you know what i mean because working with Mm special athletes especially when money is involved is a little nerve-wracking for the first time um but i will say i think being um a woman and especially a black woman helped a little bit because obviously you know 70 percent of the league are black and i think those you know, cultural similarities and was already kind of intact. So they were able to kind of bond with me a little bit faster. Hmm. Um, so I think that helped. And then sometimes just having a woman present. I am only the the only woman on staff. So sometimes just having a woman's presence um, helped a little because sometimes players don't want to say certain things in front of, you know, their teammates or like other men just, you know, for whatever reason. So sometimes they'll confide in me a little bit. Um, but like I said, I think it was a little half and half. Half and half. I think it really, like I said, just depends on the player. Um, I think at the end of the day, you have to be careful regardless of kind of what relationship that you have with players So at the end of the day, like I said, it is a business. Um, but I think it might have been overall probably a little harder only because, you know, when you have collegiate athletes, it's kind of all they know. All they know is your AT staff. All they know is, like, your team doctors. All they know is the college and the coaches – Versus the NFL, like they had their college, you know, ATs and coaches, they've had other teams and they they do compare and they're like, OK, well, what was this AT staff like compared to the AT staff I had, you know, in college or at this team, which isn't a bad thing. I think that's human nature. Um, so sometimes with certain areas, you have to work a little harder to build that trust, um, you know, not saying we're better or, or worse than other teams, but we're just different. I think sometimes trying to emphasize that, like, OK, this is how this team did it you know, um, so maybe let's, you know, see if this works or approach, you know, the player in this way. Um, So I think it really, it really, like I said, depends.
1: Uh, When I was in uh, Tennessee for my summer internship, it was all kind of like an optics thing. So like, obviously we weren't, we weren't allowed to really like work with like the starting quarterback or the starting receiver, because it's like you said, it's an optics thing. It'd be really weird if the general manager walked in and, you know, I myself, the summer intern was working on, you know, our starting running back or starting <laughs> receiver. So I think that's also involved as well. Uh, but like you said, you know, I think everyone's different. You know, everyone on like a football team has like their guy that they go to, whether if it's for taping or stretching or rehab. So um, I think, like you said, it just varies. And I'm, I'm sure you have a, a decent amount of people on the team that are like, Hey, I'm going to jazz for whatever.
2: Yes. <laughs> Not unfortunately, but sometimes they do, they like come into my office. Like I need to talk to you. Like, okay. They call me for everything, but I always, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I don't have the ego and I'm humble. And if there's something I don't know how to do, then I won't do it. Like I had a player this week call me because he he usually calls me for everything and he had a problem and I hadn't dealt with it before. So guess what? I'm going into that doc's office with you because you trusted me and you called me, but I'm also bringing in, you know, my coworker because he's had this problem before. And this can also help build the trust between you and him. Because even though obviously you trusted me to call me, but I'm also going to have you build that trust. So if you need something else and I'm not available for whatever reason, you feel like you can't come in here. You know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. I've you know I've been gone for a week for COVID, and you know things just happen. I remember um, players all have this very specific um, uh, pregame things. And so sometimes you have to do the exact same thing. Like I have to take this specific player's wrist or I have to give this specific player his mouthpiece. They're, they're very, very specific. And there was one time I missed the game because like I had COVID and a player was like, yeah, I didn't wear a mouthpiece because like you weren't there to give it to me. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I understand that. <laughs> I, I do understand that you have very specific things, but I think it's important to adapt if I'm not there. <laughs> so, um so let's work on that moving forward <laughs> um so yes I do love that that you know they feel like they can come to me and, and want to come to me but I also try to emphasize the importance of building a relationship you know with with other staff because things happen I may not be there you know one day and, and I don't want you to not feel like you can't come in because you only, only
0: want to come to me mm. um but yeah so that feels like a risky amount of superstitiousness like, what happens if you get traded halfway through the season? Then are you just going to not wear a mouth guard for, like, 12 games?
2: I guess if you go to another team, like, all, you know, the, like, I don't want, like, the pregame ritual changes. Like, I don't, mm. you know, players don't have to wear a mouthpiece. And, you know, every, especially in the NFL, like, they, you know, they know their body and they can do, you know, play with whatever they want. But, um, yeah, it was a little, I came back and he told me that. I was like, all right, let's. <laughs> I, I just think it's hilarious for me, honestly. Um, but yeah, so that is, that is quite interesting. That was an interesting thing to hear.
1: <laughs> I can attest that most professional sports are like that. Um, I also worked in the NHL for a little bit when I was in, when we were in grad school and it's literally the same thing. It's like, okay, four 30, we're going to do this at five o'clock. We're going to do this. And with like, when the clock says 47 minutes left until game time, we're going to do this, this, and this. And if you mess up, like it's, there's hell to pay so um i could definitely say that professional athletes are very i won't say superstitious but just very regimented and very you know pre-game oriented
2: exactly and it's not a bad thing like i kind of i kind of love it and like i said sometimes i think it's hilarious because it's just very very specific like okay you don't have to go this specific table and tape and I remember one time I was like spatting um, a player and I, and I usually start with his left foot, but for whatever reason, that game, I started with the right foot. He's like, no, 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 no. You always start with the left foot. And I was like, okay, let me take this off. Even though I'm halfway through. Throw this roll of tape out and then start over with a new roll of tape and do your left. Yes, I will do that. <laughs> so, But um, at the end of the day, the players know themselves. They know their bodies and that's what they need to do to go out and, and play then you know we will do whatever it takes and i think that that's pretty much the same across you know all sports really like whatever you need to do because you're the one out there and you're performing and you you know gotta do what you gotta do then that is it is what it is
0: you know i kind of struggled with that with some of my high school kids because like some of them are just playing their sport for the first time or like they have not learned any sense of like bodily awareness yet and it's just like I'm gonna need you to figure it out. Like, I don't know what you need to do to figure it out, but I need you to figure it out because, like, once you get to the pros, like, you've been doing this long enough and you're obviously excelling at a high level where, like, clearly you can, like, internally gauge what's going on and what works for you and what doesn't. But sometimes those, like, 14, 15 year old kids, I'm like, look, I need you to be able to recognize, like, my muscle is tight. I'm not dying. And, like, they have no ability to do that. (laughs)
2: I can't and, and the thing is and I, that's why I love going to the high school sometimes because it kind of reminds me of all that because oh, these poor kids sometimes they don't understand like soreness and it's like mm. well how do you feel Ah, oh, it just feels a little weird well this is the first time you ran track in your entire life and you're in your <laughs> new shoes you're probably sore so let's you know I, I definitely I'd see that And like I said that's why I love going to, to my best friend's high school because it kind of just reminds me of, you know, kids and and how they are and playing the sports. And, again, kind of reminds me that I probably shouldn't be at a high school. um, But high school athletic trainers are way smarter and way more skillful, you know, I think, than than sometimes professional ATs because they're doing everything by themselves. And they're doing all sports. You know, there are certain things that maybe we don't see because we're not in that sport. And I think that makes high school athletic trainers incredible. And I I couldn't do it, you know, so –
0: we had Alicia on, rec- well, not recently, it's been a while now, but um, she was talking about like weak side theory versus strong side theory when it comes to like um, getting skills. And like strong side theory is like you have the one thing that you're really great at and you like keep building that until you're like an expert at that thing. And weak side theory is, like, you learn enough of, like, a bunch of things where, like, you're more diverse, I guess. And I was, like, I feel like pros are perfect for strong side theory people. And, like, you have to be a weak side theory person if you're going to thrive at a high school. Because, like, it's chaos. <laughs> Just straight chaos.
2: Okay, Because you have so many kids. And, again, a lot of times high schools are by themselves. You know, depending on the high school, they may not have all the available resources. Where we have multiple, you know, resources. We have doctors you know on call mris and x-ray cts whenever we need second opinion doctor doctors like we have all those resources so some we're not doing it by ourselves but high athletic trainers like they will get some interesting things and and it's them and, and they have to figure it out um like i said and like i said that's why i applaud them they are amazing
1: i <laughs> think they- it was funny that you brought up like the high school kids being very sore and stuff and they like don't know what it is. I still get that same issue in college, especially with like the <laughs> freshmen who've never lifted before in their entire life. And they're like, Dan, Dan, like my my hamstrings and my quads are like on fire right now. I'm like, I'm so tight. I'm like, well, what'd you do in the weight room this week? They're Like, uh, well, we squatted, we did RDLs. I'm like, is it more than you've ever done before in your life? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well then there you go. So don't worry. Like, it's a good thing. Like, it's okay. You'll be fine.
2: And sometimes I miss that, like, that innocence of just not knowing um, because professional athletes are very in tune with their bodies. So they already know, like, no, this is soreness. No, this feels weird, which, again, sometimes makes our job a little easier. So we can kind of pinpoint, you know, what's wrong and, and work it through them. Um, sometimes I miss that. Just, you know, the kids just not knowing and, and explaining to them. And I think that's also great about the high school and, and sometimes a collegiate level because you get used to. And you get really good at explaining things and breaking things down in layman terms versus sometimes on the, the NFL side, like players will come to me and be like, mm, I think, I don't know, I, I feel this clicking here and I might have like a labral tear or something. And <laughs> like, they'll just, you know, they'll just know or like have some sort of idea because they be dealt it or things like that, um, which I think is quite interesting. Or they'll be like, oh, yeah, like, you know, something's wrong with my foot, like my fifth metatarsal. And I'm like... What? <laughs> Sorry, what but they, they know what's going on and i think that's kind of cool because sometimes you can kind of meet them a little bit they meet us a little bit at our level um so that's that's cool hmm.
1: you'll get the occasional you know kines or exercise science major in the nfl and they kind of like just rattle off the stuff they learned in class so it's like actually kind of impressive
2: yeah and, and you know and these guys some of the, like we have you know masters and 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 you know bachelor's degree, and they're just smart athletes and, and they know and again, it's just, especially when you've been in the league in college so long, like you start to hear kind of things. So you kind of just know, and then some athletes do their own research and, and want to know more about their body and certain things. So they know what we're talking about, which I think is great.
0: I feel like they're incentivized to know more too. Cause like you said, like this is a business and your if your body's your business, I would hope that you would like learn enough about it to make it a profitable business. Cause like. Tom Brady did not win six Super Bowls, not knowing what the heck was going on in his body. Like, he paid a lot of attention. I feel like in terms of longevity, that's something he should know.
1: I think the one thing that the NFL really (laughs) takes care, well, at least the players do, is like nutrition as well. Like they have like a full service like dining hall and staff, and some guys still like have like their own meals like brought in and things like that. So, literally, I mean, like kind of like Liz Mm -hmm. says your body's your business. I mean, whatever you need to do to like perform at a high level, make sure you're available. Um, you know, I'm sure they, they're looking for every advantage they can get.
2: Absolutely. And, and like you said, they, they know their body, so they know like, okay, I can eat the, this and not this, or I don't eat meat or, you know, pescatarian or whatever. And, and they're very specific. And like I said, whatever these guys need to do, because they're the ones that are playing and being on the field, then that's what needs to get done. You know, I think that's kind of, you know, our mindset at the Dolphins. So, so
0: now I know you talked about your schedule, which is insane. Just personally, I think we can objectively say that it's insane. Um, how do you take time for yourself? Like, what do you do to like fill your cup back up before you work with others?
2: Um, I will say when I was an intern, I really didn't do a lot of that. I think because I was so focused on, which is, is like anybody you're focused on your career and, um, you know, like building your career and and making sure you prove to those around you that you're available and you can work hard and things like that. Um, so I definitely wasn't as great with it when I was an intern, especially, like I said, with COVID, it just really took a lot out of everyone, you know, across, you know, the world. Um, so I think that was definitely the COVID season was a lot. Um, this season, I have tried, well, I've tried to work out like a lot more um, cause I don't know if somehow, some way I became the person that like works out like on vacations and like gets up at like 4.30 before work even though I have to be at work at six. I'll get up at like 4, 4.30, drive to work and like get a quick workout in before going out to practice. I don't know when and how I became this person um, <laughs> but I did and I actually kind of love it. So now I like, I keep doing that. And then just certain things like I meet i don't see my family as much when they do come down like my sister will stay with me you know for she stayed with me like the week of new year's we brought a new year's together um my brother and my um mom will come down you know every now and then maybe they came down like a uh, twenty twenty for christmas so i got to spend the holiday with them which was great um and then certain self-care like i will try to make sure i always get my hair done i will meet with um friends you know once a month of dinners or i'll have them come over and like i said i think certain things just just removing yourself sometimes from the NFL football because I have friends and sorority sisters that know nothing about the NFL or football and I love that because I can go to dinner with them and not talk about football for like three hours mm-hmm. you know and I think that's important too just removing yourself from you know oh. all things NFL football related um and I like I'm not that I don't I'm not watching the Super Bowl today I you know I'm hope everyone comes out healthy and you know, I hope it's a great game, but I don't intend on watching it today, just because I'm like, I don't, I don't want anything NFL football <laughs> right now. Like it is the weekend. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear. It. I might watch, you know, a halftime show or like the commercials and stuff. And um, you know, I know the ATS on both the the Rams and the the Bengals, but I'm just not gonna watch it. I feel like sometimes that's part of my self care. Like I'm just, you know, removing mm-hmm. myself from it um, a little bit. So it can be, like I said, really hard. But I think, and it, and it's not you know, using every weekend to go do that, to go, you know, um, go to dinners with your, with your friends or, you know, traveling, things like that. Sometimes it's really just coming home and putting on the office and watching the office all night, you know, for me, (laughs) because I'm obsessed with that show. Um, So I really just try, but that's why I think I focus more in the off season, spending my weekends doing things that I love. Um, And especially with this off season, I'm traveling, I think, because I am full-time in COVID um, where COVID is allowing things to kind of come together again. Um, I am traveling a lot more for football or for my job. So like I said, I went to Houston for a few, a few weeks ago. I just came back from New York, went to the combine. Um, then I have to go to Baltimore in April for like another event. So it definitely requires a little bit more traveling than I'm used to um, for work purposes. So like I said, I just try really when I have the chance to remove myself and, and, do the things I love and go home when I can. I went, like I said, I went home a few weeks ago. That's why, like I went, got home Thursday night. I woke up Saturday morning and saw the snow and I was like, no, this is is not it. But it was great because I was like this. I'm definitely not in Miami right now. (laughs) You know? Um, So, yeah.
1: Was it hard for you to find the work-life balance going from a summer intern to a seasonal intern? Because as a summer intern, it's like, okay, it's six, seven weeks. Let's just lock in. Like, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, early September before, you know, you'll be back in school. Whereas, you know, a seasonal, you get there, I don't know, May, June, and then you're there the whole season. So was it, was it hard for you transitioning to find that balance knowing that you're there longer than six weeks? You're there for, you know, seven, eight months.
2: Um, Absolutely. Um, I will say more so obviously my first year seasonal than my second, because like I said, it really, excuse me, it really becomes like a a lock in grind. And again, I think some of it, maybe not so much proving to others, but I think sometimes more proving to yourself that you deserve to be there and that they hired you for a reason. And so you're like, okay, i want to prove this to myself, but I also wanna to prove to others. So I'm just gonna lock in and do what I need to do. So I will say my, my work-life balance and trans- transitioning into my first year season was pretty non-existent, um, but I'm thankful for the people that I have in my life that they understand. Um, I think, like I said, that's one of the most important parts. Like my people know that for the month of August, you probably will not hear from me, um, like whatsoever. Like, if I respond to a text, it might be like in three days or like 10 hours later. Like, and, um, <clears throat> and I feel bad. And I apologize, but they understand. I think that's an important part. So like my first year seasonal, my first year of my uh, seasonal internship, I was, yeah, I was very, very locked in. Um, and it and it was okay. Like I didn't feel drained or like it took a lot of a lot out of me because I was like at the end of the day, this is what I want to do and this is a career and this is just you know one two years of my life. And I think if I devote as much as I can to this, and again, this is just my personal like method and the way I approach it. This isn't right or wrong, and not everyone has to approach it this way. But I think that's how I approach it. I was like, if I put everything. Um, and more into this, you know, one or two year old turn into something. Um, and again, it's easier when, you know, I'm not married, I don't have kids, I don't have pets. So, like, the only responsibility I really have is to myself. So, I think that also made it easier for me to kind of devote so much time to that. But, like I said, I definitely, like I guess, COVID year was a little weird, but I definitely am better with that now because I realized I cannot stay in that type of life where, like, you know, that balance doesn't exist and like i said i have a great boss so he emphasizes that he's like get out for especially in the off season when you have time he was like i want y'all out of here at one o'clock on friday and you know if we can and like okay take you know thursday friday like i went home you know that's I, I did thursday friday saturday sunday he was like come back monday or tuesday and i'm like i don't know if i could stay home that long but like i will come back sunday because sometimes <laughs> when are with your family that long it's like all right i can't especially when you're used to being by yourself um but he was very adamant about like take more days, do what you need to do, because once we're back here and we're doing this grind, like, it takes a lot.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So
2: I am very thankful because I think it starts at the top. Um, And, yeah.
0: So uh, earlier you talked about how 70% of the league is black and you're the second full-time female black athletic trainer in the NFL, which is wild to me because – I just, you know, I dumbly, as a white person, didn't realize we were that far behind. Like, it felt like it's 2020 that seems sad. Um, I'm really proud of you because I know that you're awesome. So, like, I'm psyched for you. But with patients that are so diverse, like, what should we be doing, in your opinion, as a profession to create providers that, like, match that? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's an interesting question.
2: I will say, so, yes, so to confirm, so there's three of us, Tiffany Morton at the Chiefs, um, and me at the Dolphins, and Shanice Jackson at Philly um, Eagles, and funny enough, we all went to FIU. So Shanice was, the year, was a year ahead of me, and Tiffany, I can't remember what class she was, but she was a few years ahead of us, um, which is kind of hilarious in itself. <laughs> um, I think, you know, one of the things when I, become a, a, when I became full-time, it was actually a year ago last month, and it was like I didn't put it, you know, on social media, but somehow like the word got out and other people were posting mm-hmm. it. So my the in the flood of like LinkedIn messages and emails and and Instagram DMs from other students and other athletic trainers who look like me was very overwhelming. It, I'm not even gonna lie, it was very very overwhelming. Um, you know, and especially students. And I went to my boss because I was like, I'm not sure. I was like, how accessible, you know, should I be? Should I be always responding, you know, to these messages and and meeting with students or is it, you know, kind of too much? Because I think, you know, when I was trying to do um, become an NFL and reach out to professionals, I didn't hear as much feedback. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that's, you know, certain people again, the the job in itself already takes out a lot. So sometimes trying to talk and spend time with others takes more, and some people just don't have the mental capacity or physical capacity to do that. And to each their own, I think, you know, whatever works for you. Um, But I was a little nervous because I was like, I don't know how accessible I feel like I should be if it's too much or too little. And my boss, you know, sat me down and he was like, look, be as accessible as you can. He was like, you know, respond to, to to the DMs, meet with students, do the Zoom calls as much as you can, because at the end of the day, this is a job. And, you know, I, I try, you know, I stay humble as much as possible, but it is important. And I am kind of a representation of so many other, you know, not only black ATs, but black female athlete, um, ATs that want to be where I am and think that they can't because of how they look. So I think one of the things is getting those forums together, me speaking to students, me, posting so on social media, you know, not as much, but um, posting that there are people that look at, at like us in the profession and then just having certain initiatives. So like we have an initiative where we um, hire one minority um, and one female summer intern, you know, each summer. So I think just things like that, like bringing them into the profession um, networking with them, meeting with them. You know, I have another Zoom call around six tonight with the with the student at FIU that she wants to reach out and talk to me. Um, I think doing things like that helps inspire those students who think that they can't do it, um, and be like, okay, like I can do this. Like I know there was a post going around um, on LinkedIn with me and, and and two other women that work on the the stadium side in communications and, and productions and that like picture went all over LinkedIn and I saw this one person this one girl respond on LinkedIn and was like, you know, this is amazing because I didn't think I could do this, but like I see her and like I I know I can do this, like I'm gonna keep moving forward. Um and I think that's important. Again, it's not just, you know, obviously I emphasize, you know, um black because, you know, that's you know what I am, but I think it also is Hispanic. I think it also is, you know, Asian culture. Like I think it's it's important to build those forums and aspire and, and promote as much as we can so other students are inspired and feel like that they can do that.
1: Have you thought about or do you think you should uh, like get together with the other female athletic trainers in the in the pros and as well as across other sports to just kind of form like a like a group or a panel and just kind of say, hey like what can we do you know as a whole to pro- uh, to promote that you know our profession to, um, you know women of color or just women in general um, to, to let them know that hey you can get into this profession like you can do it um, you know it just kind of takes you know whatever you need to do I um, uh, kind of lost my train of thought but <laughs> <laughs> yeah like have you yeah have you kind of thought of that like hey like what can we do as a whole you know women in professional sports you know to try and promote you know that you're able to get to this uh, profession
2: I'll be honest I personally haven't you know, thought about that, but I know there are things out there that I have been a part of. So like, um, so us uh, women in um, the NFL, we have a group chat. So we, you know, obviously talk about more NFL AT related things, but um, we have a group chat and we communicate a lot. There is a, um, sorry, a a company or organization actually based out in DC and it's called Minority Women in Sports. Um, And so they, she, her name is um, Andrea and she's the head AT at uh, Bullis uh, School in Washington, in Washington DC. And she is the head of that. She does a lot of that promoting. She has, you know, panels where she brings other athletic trainers, you know, um, from different profession, professional sports and settings to come and talk to students. She has like mentorship programs. And um, and I've been on a, like a panel discussion I did for them probably like a year ago. Um, so they do have things Of that sort, I have not personally thought of, you know, things like trying to get a panel together. I think also sometimes because my job and like a lot of other things take, you know, a little bit of me. Um, So I think for me, I don't know if I think about that, but I think just making sure I try to be a part of it as much as I can so I can help show, you know, if they're promoting it, I can be that, you know, help be that face and like, okay, this is, you know, uh, where we can... uh, Go and like kind of take this if that makes sense.
0: I'm hopeful that maybe we're like already moving in a more diverse direction because, like, I feel like I see photos of like the classes that are coming up through athletic training school right now. And I think back to Dan and I's class, and I feel like maybe we're on that front. And it's just like gonna take some time to like see that in the numbers and see that in um, positions of like higher power and higher visibility but i know i don't know it's a tricky one i don't understand why athletic training so white it doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> i
2: think but i think also some of it is you know social media has its pros and cons um but i think that's also one of the pros is social media especially in this day and age because i think once more when people see the pictures and and see you know the post that that you know some of these scenes are making that's when it's like oh i did not know like sometimes i don't even know like you know certain people at a you know the head of professional sports or whatever are you know black or minority like i usually have no clue until i see it on social media i'm like oh i did not know that so i think there are like i said pros and cons to social media i think that's one of the biggest pros is seeing people in this profession and, and you know, their headshots and and, call, and representing them. And, you know, we have four um, minority athletic trainers today in the NFL um, working um, at the Super Bowl And that was a post on um, NATA EDAC. I'm pretty sure it was Instagram. So I got to see that. And, and like I said, I think that's important, getting that out there. We also, um, it was created probably like two years ago in the pandemic. There's an action, there's actually a group chat that we have of, um, mostly my pretty much all minority athletic trainers um called the think tank on group me and you know there's like I don't know like 900 of us now and they're like across all settings students like in other countries and that's a way for us to to kind of promote within to talk and um when students have questions they respond you know they'll, they'll ask in the group chat and like you know I mean we have Dr. Frank Walters and who's You know one of the most important um, influential people in nata like african americans um he's in the group chat and we have a lot of people that are that are prominent and that have been those places that can offer guidance to students and again i think settings like that and like those group chat again is important so students can see like wow i did not know that this was possible Mm -hmm. Um, and i think that's that's the important part it's just representation you know when they say representation matters like it's not saying it just to say it. Like it's, it's true. And, and, and I think it is important.
1: I think it was cool. A couple of weeks ago, we uh, tweeted about um, the Los Angeles Kings, the NHL team. They had a, a female athletic trainer behind the bench. I think she was the first one. Um, I thought that was really cool. Cause like you said, like without social media, I, I probably never would have known that um, unless if I was, you know, working in the NHL and you know we were playing the LA Kings and I saw that. So, um, I think that's one thing that social media is good for, you know, especially just promoting, you know, things like that.
2: Exactly, like I said, once once I think when students see it, they're like, "Wow, like I can do that." And I am definitely gonna box this up, but I know a few weeks ago there was um I can't remember what NBA team, but there was a female athletic trainer on the NBA mm-hmm. sideline that I saw, and that went you know viral on social media. And again, I think that's something that other students and other women need to see that yes you can also work in the nba you can you know do this just like she is
1: was it was it the trailblazers
0: uh you know what it might have been yeah i think it was i remember thinking oregon they know what's up
2: yeah 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 i think that's that's
1: what it was shout out it it says she's uh the first female athlete in the league so she's trailblazing yes or profession with the trailblazers. So I think that's pretty cool.
2: (laughs) That's what it was, yes.
1: It's back to our standard question. We asked this to all our guests. What advice would you give athletic training students, you know, young professionals, uh, people who have been in the profession for forever? uh, You know, what advice do you have for them about anything?
2: Oh, man. Um, I think number one is, um, and I'm going to keep saying it, work-life balance. Um, Yes, career is important your profession is, is important, and, and I think sometimes it's easy, it's easier for me to say this because I am, um, you know, like a good position at you know a young age. I was hired as an assistant at, at 25, um, and that was like one of my you know goals. And so, again, it can be easy for me to say because my career has you know taken you know a good turn, however, at the end of the day, it, it's a career, it's a profession, and family and, and work-life balance is important because at the, at the end of the day, there may come a time that we can't, you know, work as ATs and we can't, you know, things get taken away every day. And um I think family and, and friends and, and other things outside of your profession is important. And like I said, I think sometimes ATs and students get so caught up in that and like building your career and like making, you know, connections. And um I think sometimes we lose sight of that. Um, but on top of that, a little contradicting, keep making, net um connections and networking because it's, it's sometimes about who you know. Um and it doesn't have to be somebody that you have to, you know, email like once a week or talk to, but I think just, you know, just a simple reaching out and and um communicating, just kind of getting your name and your face out there. Like I've had resumes sent to me that um, you know, we keep on file. So I'm like, okay, if something happens or maybe next year, you know, if we're looking for an intern, like I might be able to pull up this this you know, resume and like, okay, maybe, and we know other ATs in other settings too, as well in um, pro basketball and, and hockey and things like that. So sometimes we reach out to our other connects, you know, in other sports and like, hey, do you need an intern? How does that process work? And um, that's important. I think keep working hard and, and don't feel bad if you feel like, you know, the NFL or, or collegiate or football in general is not for you. Um, and also don't feel bad if you just get to a point where athletic training is not for you you know I think we go into this profession because we love it but I think sometimes we of how much of a service this profession is and we give so much of ourselves to others um, and sometimes people just just hit a wall and they, can't, and they can't do that anymore and I think that's okay too where they're just like I don't want to do this anymore I know a few ATs that have left athletic training to go sell, you know, either medical supplies or become firefighters or become PAs because it was just, it was too much. And I think that's okay too. Like, this is not, you know, the end all be all, um, and yeah, I think, I think they're probably those main, you know, three things and, um, and like uh, to emphasize connection and networking, because I met Lizzie, you know, what was it like my senior year of college back what was that 2016, I think. I want to say it's like 16, possibly 17,
0: no, 16. I was going to say maybe 15,
2: maybe 15. Right. And look at us, you know, five, six years later, mm-hmm. like we still have this. And it's important to keep those connections and keep those networking. And you know, Lizzie and I, we don't talk every day, but you know, we have this connection. We, we talk social media. I know it can be so, so bad, but it can also, if you use it for the right reasons, it can be very good because that's how I'm able to still comment and, and reach out to Lizzie and other people in our profession. And, even Cross Clemco, who's at us, with us at University of Maryland, you know, we met my freshman year back in 2014. He's at the New England Patriots right now as an assistant. And every time I see him, we're all looking, we're looking at each other like, this is amazing because, you know, who knew that these two kids from Maryland will end up where we are now. Um, so I think just emphasizing, like, you don't have to always network and connect with people only in the setting that you want to be in, and only the setting that you are, like, branch out. You know, talk to people in different settings. Talk to people in different states because you just you just never know.
1: Yeah, I think the more and more I, you know, gain knowledge and experience in this profession, the more I think that it's so small because, like you said, you knew uh, your head knew Sal so at Louisville, and it's just everyone. It's, it I seem like through the grapevine, everyone knows everyone in this profession. I think that's really cool, um, and I think that's just another out. Al- or a great thing about this podcast is that we can just reach out to other professionals and say, Hey, like, come on and talk to us, or, you know, we can reach out to them and ask them about something. So again, just finding avenues, like you said, to make connections is, especially in this profession is very important.
2: Very important. Everyone knows somebody that's, I have definitely realized that in the last, like since grad school, I was like, this world is small. This AT world is small. And that's why it's also important to, have your reputation <clears throat> is important and that it's intact and, and that it's good because your name gets around quick. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Quick, like we have heard of students who will probably never meet, you know, other professionals that we never meet that we haven't heard great things about. And I think, you know, it's, it's important that students don't realize what you do sometimes as a student that carries and that, that matters in five ten years because if if i'm in a position i knew somebody you know at maryland back in 2014 and somebody asked me about that person i don't know how they are now but i can speak to how they were when they were a student Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i think that's important too because you have to make sure your name gets out there in a good in a good way and that you know when you cross paths with people and again you're not going to get along with everybody but i think at the end of the day if they can say that you worked as a team and you and you work hard i think that's what matters You know what I mean? We may not get along, but, like, she did her job, and she worked hard, and she was professional.
1: So just be aware of what you post on social media, basically.
2: Yes, that is so – you know, it's so funny because I'm so against social media, but I'm all over it.
1: (laughs) Well, it's not even, like, if if you post. It's just, like, be smart because, like you said, if you have nothing really to go off of, if you're looking at a resume or something, and that's all you have to go off of, it's like, oh, like, if you're posting, you know, these not great photos or stuff, you're tweeting, you know, random things, like – that just it just goes a long way so just be smart in that regard
2: it does and don't think people don't look like my co-workers they kind of like a little bit before I came along they probably didn't like look so much let me tell you me I search on social media because I know exactly how to find you <laughs> like I'm telling you like I will every summer intern that we accept I will look at your social media because I will find you you know what I mean and then I'll bring it you know my co-workers and I will because they they're older, so they have no idea how to search people on social media, but I do that <clears throat> because again, to me, what you put on social media matters. You know, I'm not saying you never have to post or you don't, you know, can't show you're having a good time, but there are just certain things that you have to be careful of. And especially as a, as a representative, because if a student or somebody is looking at that Instagram, what are they gonna think about what you posted? You know what I mean? And like, again, you represent things bigger than yourself. <clears throat> and I think that's, people have to like remember that when it comes to social media.
0: I feel like also the people who like go crazy about their their fanships and they're like oh I'm a diehard Jets fan like f all these other teams and then you're trying to get hired by one of those other teams and it's like they don't want to you you just pooped all over them on social media like you gotta think about it
2: you gotta be careful that but you know what in my in their defense I think you remember in college I was a huge Carolina fan like Carolina Panthers, that was my fan. That that was my team when I was in college. But again, back then, in my defense, I didn't want to work in the NFL. Like, I wasn't sure. So I was like, eh, but by the time I got to the NFL, like, I really didn't have a team. Um, but, yeah, I was very careful. You know, I would just, you know, root for them and stuff. But I was like, die- like, Lizzie knows, die hard Carolina Panthers fan. Like, it was really bad in college. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just funny. <laughs>
0: I mean, don't get me wrong, be a fan, but, like, you can be a fan and, like, still be professional towards other teams and other schools because, like, you never know where you might end up having to work.
2: You never know. And even thinking about the the Maryland kids that we have, like, a -hmm. lot of these kids are now in in the NFL. So when I'm on the Mm -hmm. field and I see them on the other team, they're like, oh, my God. Like, (laughs) they remember, like, okay, how was Jasmine when she was at Maryland? You Mm
1: -hmm. know what I
2: mean? Like, that's where I remember her from. And that's why I think, like, to add on – to go back to the reputation and all that things, that matters. So when, you know, if we get another Maryland kid, you know, in free agency or whenever, they can be like, oh yeah, I remember Jasmine Maryland. She was X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. she was great. She was professional, like whatever. I think it's important because you never know what these athletes are going to end up to because they talk to each other. You know, how did you treat them? Did you do your job? You know, were you professional? So they, they talk to each other big time.
0: And they talk to the staffs that they work with. Like, imagine if there was an opening at Carolina that you were trying to take and DJ was like, no, I did not like her at all. Like, your reputation isn't just your professional rep, like, with the other people in the profession either.
2: It's players. at the end of the day, these players are the ones that are going out and playing, and and that happens. Like, uh, front office, upstairs, head coaches, they will ask players about other you know, athletic trainers, strength and conditioning. They will ask. And again, I'm not saying you have to get along with everybody because that's not realistic. And I know I didn't get along with everybody, but I think at the end of the day, people can say that I, I worked hard, I was professional, I did my job, um, <clears throat> and and that's what matters. But this is absolutely right because that's exactly what you know what could happen. But I feel as though I have a pretty good relationships with most players, um, and the ones at Maryland, you know, I I still try to see them, you know, after games. Some of them I haven't seen in years. That's all for the first time this season, which was amazing. Um, and and I think that's important. And again, just going back to relationships, I think it's amazing how, you know, I haven't seen you know uh, players in like five six years, and then I'm literally on the field during a timeout, and they're on the D line, and they're like, oh my. And I, after the game, I could just talk about the wives and the kids, and you know, that's a relationship that that I'll I'll always have, you know.
1: All right, so we're gonna finish up with a little thing called this or that.
2: Ooh, okay.
1: <laughs> All right, so we'll start off dolphins or Terrapins
2: oh my god <laughs> I think uh, need, oh, I, mm, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with terps just because like Marilyn changed my life it really did uh, dolphin shit, but Marilyn is I'm, I'm gonna go with terps I am
0: <laughs> go terpies.
1: <laughs> I assume you can pick who uh, who wrote that that one
0: <laughs> Wow Lizzie, thanks. <laughs> I just had to make sure that our allegiances were still true.
2: See, if she knew me so well, it turps all the way, all the way.
1: (laughs) Would you rather watch college sports or pro sports?
2: College, if it's basketball, football, pro. Hmm.
0: I think I agree with you on that one. I
1: I think I'm college both ways. Really? Yeah. I've gotten
2: a little bit into college football, and it's actually because my sister is obsessed with college football. It's actually, I was like, okay, I really like, you know, some of these games. It's just hard when I see the kids and I have no idea, you know, who they are.
1: (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) Okay, so I just thought of this one because you're in Miami. Would you rather have a midday practice outside or a late night practice in the bubble?
2: Late night practice in the bubble. The hottest part of the day is like one o'clock. I, <laughs> and you gotta think of heat illnesses too. Like, oh my gosh, it's that's late night practice in the bubble. I'll practice till eleven o'clock p.m. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, last one: Cuban sandwich or tacos? Oh,
2: tacos, tacos, yes.
0: I was inspired by your Miami location when I wrote that because I was like, that would kill me inside to have to choose between a Cuban or tacos. I just like love them both way too much.
2: Yeah, but the tacos down here, like like those uh, barilla, barilla tacos, oh my God, they're they're another level. I don't know. <laughs> there's like this food truck that I'm obsessed with in Fort Lauderdale. They have some of the best tacos. And there's like a place 15 minutes away that I Uber Eats. I think I have Uber Eats order their food like six times in the last like five months like on uber eats it's like oh you're like in the top you know five percent of their cup of food, or whatever <laughs> that's me with this taco place i think i'm gonna um, go
1: tacos too because I, I feel like you have to be like at least for me i have to be in a mood to have a cuban i think it's like tacos i can have like all the time
2: since the mm-hmm. cubans are very like there's a cuban sandwich there's just a lot sometimes mm-hmm. so it's like i don't know if like the tacos you can't go wrong i can't go wrong <laughs>
1: I like the one we had at USF in our, in our calf. It was, uh, it was like a spicy Cuban. So you would get jalapenos instead of pickles on it. Ooh. Ooh. It was very mm-hmm. good.
0: Really? So
1: sh- shout out to the, uh, USF health calf. <laughs> it was very good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on jazz. This was so much fun.
2: I appreciate you guys inviting me. I had a great time. This is awesome.
0: <laughs> we like to have fun while we're here. <laughs> we,
1: we, we keep it, we keep it light as best mm-hmm. we can.
2: This is yeah. great. I really, really appreciate you guys for having
1: me. We appreciate you for coming on.
0: Yeah. Especially in your off time. I mean, you don't get a lot of it, so. <laughs>
2: no, it's fine. Literally, I'm sitting on the That's why I put a Dolphins thing on. <laughs> I was like, I'm just sitting on the couch all day. It's like, fine. <laughs> do nothing. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You have to have those days sometimes. And I don't have many. So this is, yeah, this is great. I really this appreciate
1: this. I'm pretty sure people say treat yourself. Is that, is that mm-hmm. how it? Is that how it goes?
2: Parks and Rec. Because you're a Parks and Rec girl <laughs> over The Office. I remember. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh, uh, I love
0: The Office so much. But, like, you don't get Galentine's Day in The Office.
2: Yeah, she's the Parks and Rec girl. I'm more of The <laughs> Office girl. But I remember she's a Parks and Rec girl. Mm. Treat you
0: yourself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everyone. And, as always, remember who you are.
0: And make good choices.